0: Um, But thankfully, I'm not reading five chapters to you tonight. Um, We're only going to read four or five verses in Matthew chapter 7. And I want to read from verse 21 down to verse 27. And this is Jesus teaching in what is known as one of the most famous sermons um, ever written and ever preached. And Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7 verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the the one who does the will of my Father in heaven, because we are to be hearers of the word and doers of the word. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now verse 24 is where we want to spend a bit of time tonight looking. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Again, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Tonight, I want to spend a bit of time speaking from this really catchy title, Where Do You Place Your Hope? Not that catchy at all. Where do you place your hope. Is anyone in here by a quick show of hands a fan of a quiz show or a game show? Yes, I'm a big fan of quiz show. That's, uh, that's one of the reasons why on Tuesday when we were away, I wanted to make sure we did a quiz because I love a good old table quiz and I love um, quiz shows on TV. And embarrassing as it is, I used to run home from school and want to get my dinner and jump in front of the TV and watch like, all the sort of dinnertime TV programs. So that included like, Ready, Steady, Cook. I think we need to bring that back. Let's bring Ainsley Harriet back on TV. Let's get a petition. Um, but then there was loads of um, dinnertime TV shows that I used to love. Um, and there's a couple here. These aren't all that were on at dinner time, but here's a couple of quiz or game shows you might remember. Bruce's Price is Right... That was a classic. Uh, The Generation Game, do you remember it? I actually do remember it, I'm relatively young and I I remember that one as well. The Weakest Link, Um, fun fact, do you know our very own Malcolm Duncan was on an episode of The Weakest Link? You can check that out on YouTube and don't tell him I told you. (laughs) But this is live stream, so (laughs) can we remove that? Uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, another classic. Uh, The Chase. It's a good one. But one of my favourites um, at the minute is Pointless. I really love Pointless. It's a classic. Uh, I used to say if you didn't sit eating your dinner um, watching Pointless, uh, then it was Pointless on the TV. Because honestly, one of the best shows. But the one I want to. Um, pause on a little bit tonight is the million dollar drop. Has anyone seen it or heard of it? The million dollar drop or the million pound drop, which is funny because I think they changed the name to the 100k drop. They obviously were, were given too much money out, so they, they changed it. But the, the million dollar drop or the million pound drop is where where the contestants would have either been by themselves or in, in partners, and they would have had um, a million pounds in 40 bundles of £25,000 each. So 40 bundles they started with. And the premise of the game was they were supposed to, they were given eight questions to answer through. Now each question had four uh, multiple choices that they, get, they were able to put um, the money on. And what they had to do was every question, they had to put the money on what they thought was the answer. If they were really convinced they knew the answer was A, eh, for example, then they would have put all 40 bundles on that. And then at the end of each question, the, the different platforms would have dropped. The three that were the wrong answer would have dropped. And whatever money was placed on them, they lost. And whatever they, they won, they carried into the next round until all eight questions were answered. And then whatever they, they had at the end, they got to take that home with them. Now, as much as this is a great and thrilling TV show, and you're thinking, what is this to do with church? Um, it's also a really great illustration of our lives as human beings. Now, not not just Christians, because Christian or non-Christian, we all face some of the same things in life and the same struggles of life. But the million dollar drop is a good analogy and illustration for our lives as human beings. You see, like the million dollar drop, they will get questions which they maybe didn't expect, or they, they're panicked about, or they don't know the answer to initially. And as human beings, sometimes in life, we can face situations which are difficult moments in life. We can face stressful seasons, financial struggles, health problems, fractioned relationships, failed situations, moments of regret in our lives. There's times in life where we didn't see it coming. Situations we didn't expect or things that we didn't plan for problems we weren't ready for sometimes it can feel like the bottom of our lives has just fallen out and in each of those situations as they arise we have as human beings a choice to make and it's this where will we place our hope where will we place our hope where will we find security where will we find possibility how can we believe for better Who or what do we lean on or who or what do we trust? And in this text that we looked at tonight, Jesus lays it out in two options. He gives us two options. And the first is that you can listen to his teaching, trust those words and live by them. Or the second option is that we don't trust Jesus' words and we don't live by them. And in the the passage, he says that you can, if you listen and obey my words, it's like building a house on a rock. Whereas he says, if you listen, if you don't listen to my words, if you ignore them and reject them, it's like building a house on a sand. Now in both of those analogies, Jesus does promise storms. He says that each time the rain will come down, the streams arose, the winds blew, and it beat against the house and either whether it was built on the, the rock foundation or on the sandy foundation, both were hit by storms. And maybe those four things illustrate or articulate how you're feeling in life right now. Maybe you feel like, metaphorically, the rain is coming down in your life, or the streams are rising, winds are blowing and beating against you. And we have a choice tonight, friends. Whether you're in a storm now, or you will be in a storm. Because here's the guarantee, you will face a storm. You will face trials. And so we either trust and follow what Jesus says, or we reject and ignore what he says. But I guess if you're in here tonight or watching online, you're here because you're looking for something more solid and stable to build your life upon. So tonight, we're going to play our own version of the million dollar drop. Who wants to win? I'm only joking. But we are going to play our own version of this. Well, not really play it. It's going to sort of make my sermon for me. But we're going to look at four choices in life that you and I can place our hope in. Four choices that we can. And just like the normal game, three of them often end with a platform opening up and us losing something. But we're going to look at four things that we can try and find safety security, and answers in. Four things that we metaphorically put our hope in. And the first one is our feelings. This is going to represent our hope. We can place our hope in our feelings. Oh, two seconds. You see, one of the biggest and most recent developments in our culture and society is around this idea of our feelings. Our culture and our society has adopted this, this phrase: "I feel, therefore, I am." We have adopted this phrase that if you feel like something, you are that. If you feel something, it shapes everything. We have adopted this phrase that your your feelings shape your identity or we have adopted this phrase that I feel, therefore it's true. And we've associated our feelings with truth, that our feelings are automatically correct. If you feel it, that's truth right there. And our culture and society has encouraged us to do this with phrases like, hey, follow your heart. Hey, go and just, just trust your gut. Or, or what well, you need to discover yourself. Now, please, disclaimer. I'm not saying I completely disagree with these things. I think they're, va- they're important at, at moments. But we've put so much emphasis on our feelings that we now prioritize our feelings above everything else. We prioritize our feelings sometimes above the Bible. We prioritize our feelings about what our parents or friends think. We prioritize our feelings above wisdom and advice in moments. We have just taken our feelings and just put it straight to the top. And as soon as we feel it, that is what we believe. And that's what shapes us. So when it comes to life, our measure of success is mainly based upon how we feel. That if we feel good, then life's good. But if we feel bad, then life is bad. The problem with placing our hope on our feelings... Is that our feelings go up and down like a yo yo? Do you ever have those days where you're just really annoyed and you don't even know why? You have no idea. And then people come up and be like, Well, what's wrong with your face? You look rough today. Well, thanks. I wasn't feeling good, but now I feel worse. And they're like, Well, what's wrong with you? And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> and then you're annoyed that you don't know. You're annoyed because you're annoyed that you don't know that you're annoyed. And you're just like, I just had a bad day and I don't even know where to pinpoint it. And people keep asking me and I just can't work it out. We could literally wake up and have a great day and then an hour later just feel annoyed about nothing. And we just feel rubbish. Sometimes our feelings just go up and down. And the Bible gives us a heads up in this. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So often we place our security and our hope in our feelings. And that means that when our feelings are good, then our security and our hope is good. But it also means that when our, our feelings are bad, then our security and our hope are bad. Here's a point they want to make. Our feelings shouldn't point to our security. But our feelings should point to our Saviour. Our feelings shouldn't point to the fact that whether we're good or not, whether we are secure or hopeful or not, or based upon whether we feel good or not, but our feelings should point to the Savior. You see, I said earlier that we've, we've adopted this phrase that I feel, therefore I am. I think that's wrong. I think instead it should be, I feel, therefore I need. I feel this way, therefore I need a Savior. I feel like this, therefore I need something to save me. You see, the fickleness of our feelings shouldn't define our hope, but they should redefine where we place our hope. So we can put our hope in our feelings. Or the second thing we can put our hope in is our focus. in what we focus on. So often our security and our hope is found in what we see. If what we see is good, then we feel hopeful. And so we believe that the results that we see determine the reward that we have. So if we see the bank balance is good, then we feel safe, secure, and hopeful. Or if we see that our bodies are in good health, then we feel safe, secure, and hopeful. Or if we see our lives going exactly as we planned and expected, then we feel safe, secure, hopeful. Now that again is all fair and well, but the issue comes when what we see isn't good, when our bank balance is extremely low, when our health takes a major hit, when life doesn't go as we planned or expected, when the bottom of our world seems to just fall out. So what happens then? If we are people who place our hope in what we see. Then what happens when what we see isn't good? What happens when what we see doesn't go to plan? Do we as human beings just accept, well, that's just that's just it? That just happens. That sometimes we face situations in life and they terrorize us. But sure, we, we all face trial situations, so so listen, just, just hold on and hope for the best. You know, you know, keep your head up, just keep your head up and and keep moving forward. But remember, like it, like it won't last forever. Good times will come. But until those good times come, well, you know what? We just have to, we just have to let our hope and security be a bit shaken at the moment. And just, we just have to let that happen because they're placed in what you see. Is that the advice we should give? Maybe you're in that place tonight, in here or, or online. You're shaken and you're struggling to hold on. You're hoping that you'll wake up tomorrow and what you see will be better results. You see, if we live by sight, then we'll live with insecurity because not everything we see is secure. There is a reason that Paul in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians 5 said that we live by faith and not by sight. It's because he was aware that living by sight and placing your hope and your security in what you focus on and what you see is a dangerous way to live because it doesn't encourage hope, but it does produce anxiety, fear, dread, insecurity. Because what we see isn't always secure. What we see doesn't always go as we planned or we expected. And here's another side point what we see isn't always true. Have you ever ordered something offline because it looked good and then it arrived and you realised like you tried it on or you looked at it, it was like this is not as good in person as it was online. Sometimes what we see isn't what we think. You see, you might see someone's Facebook profile or Instagram profile, and you might see all their amazing posts about their life and their holidays. And you might see all these amazing photos and then you might think, wow, they have the best life ever. They must live a perfect life, a perfect filtered life. But the reality is, behind the camera and behind the filters is someone just like you and me, struggling in life, but who feels the need to try and showcase something better. Or you might see someone's luxurious lifestyle and think, they mustn't have any problems If they have that money, then they mustn't struggle with anything. But behind the money and the spending, they still face the harsh same realities of life that you and I do. Or you might see a guy or a girl and you might think they might be ideal for you. But further down the line, it might be detrimental for your life. Or you might see what the world offers and think it has joy and purpose and satisfaction and answers. But you'll realize that the world promises everything and delivers nothing but regret. See, what we see can't always be trusted. And instead, the Bible once again gives us some clear instruction on this matter. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. Paul says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly. Again, there's that what we see, the physical, visual form. Outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Listen to this. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. How many disasters and problems in my life could have been solved if I didn't put my hope and my confidence in what I saw? The third thing that we can put... Our hope and our confidence in is what is found. What is found. When disaster strikes, we can often put our hope and security in what we found in life. In our job, in our spouse, in our home, in our cars and gadgets, our friends, our family, our money, our achievements, our popularity. Or equally in life, we are trying to strive after these things in hope that they will bring us security. If I can get these things, they will be an anchor for my life. So we believe sometimes that hope will come in the jobs we find. If I can just get that job, everything will be okay. If I can just get that job and get that pay rise, and get that promotion, then everything will be fine. Trust me, that's, that's just a piece of the puzzle from my life that is missing. If I could just get that one thing, or if I, could find, if I could find the right guy or the right girl, that would be the missing piece for me. That's just what I need. If I could find that, then all hope and security and confidence in my life would be okay. Or we, f- we believe that, that hope will come in the memories that we make, in the money we make, and the materialistic things that we find. Please hear me out again as a disclaimer. I am not saying that those things are terrible. But when we prioritize them and put our hope in them above all, it is dangerous. The problem with putting our hope and confidence in these things is they don't satisfy. They satisfy for a moment and then the need is there for something else. Some of them can be helpful when going through difficult seasons. It's helpful to have some friends and family around you when you're going through some things. It's helpful to have some people around you when you're going through that stuff. But are they, are they really going to bring us hope and security in all extremes of life? You see, it's good to have, you know, a friend there. You know, if you sleep in and you need to get up and you think, oh, I'm struggling with life and I slept in. Like, it's, it's good to have some people around you then what about some of the real extreme moments of life? Like when you lose a loved one. Or when you're facing a health crisis. Or when you face something that you've absolutely no control over. How can putting our hope in what's found bring us comfort and security during those trials? Listen to what God says about those who put their hope in what's found, Jeremiah seventeen five and six says, "Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength, and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert, with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land." Pretty strong words, but this describes. How we're left feeling when we put our hope and trust in mere humans. Unsatisfied. Needing more. And so we can put our hope in those things. But that is the result. That we're unsatisfied. And we're needing more. But there's one more thing that we can. There's one more thing that we can put our hope and our confidence in. And it is in our faith. In our faith placing hope in our faith in God maybe in here tonight or online you've been placing your hope and your confidence and your security in your feelings or in what you focus on or in what you find and you've maybe felt like your hope is gone or you've maybe felt that your hope is lost like the million dollar drop you've been placing all your eggs in one basket Putting all your hope in your feelings, putting all your hope in what you focus on, putting all your hope in what you find. And you feel that all hope in your life is gone. But I'm here tonight to, to, to tell you this hope is not lost, it is just misplaced. Hope is not lost, it is just misplaced. We have been placing it in the wrong things, it isn't gone. We've been placing it in our feelings, or our focus, or what we find, found. And they are helpful, but they are all flawed. It's like building a house on the sand. And that passage we read in Jeremiah, which tells about how those who put their trust in mere humans are like a stunted shrub. They're going to live in an uninhabited, waste, barren wasteland. Later on in the next two verses... God paints another picture, a contrasting picture about what it's like for those who put their trust in the Lord, for those who put their faith, their hope in their faith in God. And in Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says this, but blessed are those who put their trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Listen to this. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Did we hear that last bit? Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never, never, never stop producing fruit. You see, we can handle storms and trials when we place our hope and our confidence and our faith in God. And it says that we can keep producing fruit even when life seems chaotic. In these last few weeks, I've seen two of my best friends keep, producing fruit in one of the most difficult and trialing moments of their lives because they didn't put their hope in their feelings or they didn't put their hope in what they focused on or what they saw and they didn't put it in what they found but they put it in their faith in God and they have taught me and so many of us so much of what what it means to put your faith in God when storms hit and they have never stopped producing fruit. Why? Because their hope And their confidence and their security was in their faith in God. Not in what they saw, not in what they felt, not in what they found, but in Jesus Christ. Because he is the one that is the same. He is the one that's constant. Feelings go up and down, but Jesus stays the same. What we see can, always, can sometimes be bad, but Jesus is always good. What we find sometimes we might lose or sometimes isn't what we need, but Jesus is all that you need and he is more than enough. And so we can find our hope, our confidence and security in him. Hope in God is our answer. Isaiah 4030 to 31 says, even youths grow weird and tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But those, listen to this, who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It says their strength is renewed. It's not just fixed and improved, it's renewed. It's made brand new. I'm going to ask the band to come and join me on stage now. Psalm 42 and 43 articulates what goes on in our minds during life. If you have a chance, read Psalm 42 and 43. Because there's this constant parallel of the psalmist doubting God and then trusting God. And then doubting God and trusting God. And doubting God and trusting God. And you can see it play out in Psalm 42 and 43. And each time the psalmist must, must preach to themselves. And it says this three times in those texts. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Friends, sometimes we need to just preach to ourselves. You get, we get the privilege to come and share God's word with you for 30-odd minutes, two or three times a week. But the rest of the week, you and I need to preach to ourselves. Do you know who's the most influential preacher? Yourself. You believe almost 100% of the sermons that you preach to yourselves in your mind. And sometimes we just need to preach to ourselves. We need to preach this verse Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. You have four choices tonight. Where will you place your hope? Some of you have been continually placing your hope and confidence and security in the same answer, time and time again. And it's resulted in this hollow hope. You've left, you felt left broken and unsatisfied by placing your hope in in your feelings, or placing your hope in what you see, or placing your hope in what you've found. And you keep placing your hope and confidence in those things, knowing they failed in the past, yet hoping this time it works and produces security. But tonight is an opportunity for you to take your hope that was won in one of these other choices. And you have tonight the opportunity to take your hope and place it in your faith in God. Trials come around where are are we going to place our hope and confidence? Where are you going to hedge your bets? Where will you find security? I can guarantee you'll walk out into this week and you will face something that you will have your hope in your hand and you will say, well, what am I going to do with it? And you'll want to place it in your feelings because they'll say some things to you. Or you'll want to place it in what you see because what you see is is enough, but it's shaking you. Or you'll want to place it in that person you found or in that job that you have. But you might have to force yourself to say, no, I'm going to place my hope and my faith in God, even though everything around me is shaking, even though I'm panicking, even though I feel out of control. Here's the really encouraging thing. God is never out of control. Never out of control. You might have a friend, a family member, a mum, a dad, someone that you turn to in moments when you're worried. But then there will become situations in life where even they have no control of the situation. But praise God, he always has control. Praise God that we can always place our hope in him. So would you stand with me? And close your eyes as you do. Because we're going-